You know, I want to give you a, a warning and a disclaimer. The warning is, today I'm talking about generosity. That's the warning. But the disclaimer is, this sermon, unlike many that you've heard, is not about what I want from you. It's about what God wants for you. And today we're talking in this series, Don't Be a Dummy, about how to learn from the mistakes of other people. And one of the biggest mistakes that you can make in life is to live a stingy, self-centered life. But the blessings of God come when we live like him, with when we live with open hearts and with open eyes and open hands, and when we are generous to help other people in need. And that's what we want to talk to you about today. In fact, there are many people who recognize the fact that generosity leads to happiness, that some of the most generous people are also the happiest people in the world. There's an old Chinese proverb that says, if you want happiness for an hour, take a nap. If you want happiness for a day, go fishing. If you want happiness for a year, inherit a fortune. If you want happiness for a lifetime, help somebody. And we believe that is true, that true happiness for life comes through generosity. St. Francis of Assisi said, for it is in giving that we receive. Winston Churchill put it this way, we make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. And the great theologian Goldie Hawn said, <laughs> giving back is as good for you as it is for those you are helping because giving gives you a purpose. When you have a purpose-driven life, you're a happier person. And that is certainly true. But if you don't believe all of those other people, I think you are here today or you're checking us out online today because you do put stock in what Jesus said. And in the book of Acts, we read in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, where the apostle Paul is quoting Jesus when Paul tells us that we ought to work hard and help the needy around us. And he said, just as the Lord Jesus Christ said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Paul says, we've learned this from Jesus, that it is more blessed to give than to receive. That there's just something mysterious about generosity that not only blesses the other person, but it also blesses you in return. As a matter of fact, this is one of the first lessons we learn at our first birthday. I doubt you remember your first birthday, but if you've got pictures of it, you remember by looking at those pictures that your family gave you a birthday cake, and it said, happy birthday, probably had your name on it, had candle, a one candle on it, and everybody is centered around you because it's your birthday, and this is your birthday cake. But what do you do after everybody sings happy birthday to you and then you blow out the candle? Well, actually, mom always helps blow out the candle when you're one year old. What happens after that? You get your piece of cake, but then you get to share that cake and you see the fun and the joy that everybody else is having at your birthday party. And we learn early on that there is just more joy when we learn how to share with other people. And you know, I believe that there's a spiritual lesson here for those of us who are followers of Jesus. And the lesson is God's people are to be generous people. Now listen, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, you know instinctively in your heart that there's something wrong with living a self-centered life that is oblivious or is calloused to the needs of other people. And you understand that there is a good way to live by giving and blessing and helping and investing in meeting the needs of other people. 
But we who are Christians, we recognize that this is really because this is how God wired us. That we are created in the image of God. And our God is a giving God and he's a generous God and he wants us to be like him. God's people are to be generous people. But the problem is, generosity doesn't happen accidentally. Not only do we teach our kids at an early stage to be generous, we have to also teach them not to be stingy. I guarantee if we could all this morning go over into the preschool department, they wouldn't let us out. We would all get to be volunteers over there. But if we all went over to the preschool department, we saw the little kids on the floor playing with toys. We, we might not be shocked if we see one child wanting to take the toy of another child and that child being upset about it. And sometimes you have to teach children to share. You have to teach children to play nice. And that is certainly a lesson that we not only need to know as a little child, we even have to be reminded of it as teenagers and as adults because we don't really ever get over that tendency to think of ourselves first and to think of other people secondly. But God's people ought to be generous people. We ought to be people known for our willing uh, spirit in giving to meet other people's needs. And that's what we want to talk about today. And I want to take you to a, a proverb, because in this series, we're just looking at different proverbs that teach us how the foolish side of the world lives and how wise people ought to live. And here in Proverbs, we discover that there are three ways that we can cultivate generosity in our lives. The first way is generosity requires having open eyes. Generosity requires having open eyes. So I'm going to encourage you today, based on the scriptures, open your eyes to the needs around you. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 27. Whoever gives to the poor will not want... But he who hides his eyes will get many a curse. So the proverb, this pithy saying that tells you how life generally works, is very simple. Whoever gives to the poor will not have a need in their own life. But whoever hides his eyes will get many a curse. So the writer of Proverbs is saying there's a danger with closing your eyes to the needs of people around you and living a self-centered life. You're going to get many a curse on your life if you live as a stingy person. What this proverb is teaching us is that there is a reciprocity between giving, but also between being stingy. So if you give, you're going to be blessed. And the more you give, the more your needs are going to be met. But the reverse is also true. If you're stingy, if you are miserly, miserly if you Detest the poor. Don't be shocked when the poor detest you. As a matter of fact, in this verse, the poor are those who are destitute and they are hungry. And if you hide your eyes, literally in the Hebrew of this passage, it is to put a veil over your face. It is to cover your eyes with a veil. If you cover your eyes so that you don't see or so that you can ignore or so that you can act like you don't see a need that you have the ability to meet, don't be shocked when those poor people that you neglected don't speak favorably of you. As a matter of fact, we know there's not a culture in the world that erects statues to stingy people. 
You know who we eulogize? You know who we remember? You know who we celebrate? You know who we erect statues to and we write songs about? It's those people who were sacrificial in their love and in their generosity. So the curses are coming from the people that you've cursed, that you've said, I don't care about you. And if you despise the poor, don't be shocked when they do the same thing to you. So rather than turning our eyes away, which is very convenient, or rather than putting a veil so that we say, I didn't see that, which is very popular in our day today, God's people ought to have open eyes to see the opportunities around us and to be willing to meet those needs when we're able. But I'm going to warn you about something. When you open your eyes to the needs of people around you, you'll be overwhelmed. There are more needs than you are going to be able to meet. There are actually more needs than you were obligated to meet. God's not asking you to do what you can't do. God is asking you to open your eyes to see the needs around you that he wants you and enables you and leads you to meet. And that's the kind of attitude that Christians ought to have. That I can't do everything, but I can do something. I can't meet all the needs of the world. I can't even meet all the needs of family and friends or co-workers or neighbors. But I can do something. It's what Pastor Andy Stanley means when he says, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. If you see a need and you have the ability to meet that need, do it with open eyes, but also with an open heart. That's our second requirement of generosity. You not only have to open your eyes, you have to open your heart. Because this message that I'm sharing with you today is not a message out of guilt and pressure and manipulation and you better or else. No. The kind of generosity that God is looking for is generosity that is motivated out of your heart because it's what you see and it's what you want to do as you were led by God. Don't take my word for it. Look at Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. This proverb teaches us, keep your heart. In other words, guard your heart. Protect your heart with all vigilance. For from it flow the springs of life. This proverb says that your heart is who you really are. Your heart in the scriptures not only refers to the organ that beats in your chest, it refers to your inner being your emotions, your will, your mind, and your thought life. And you have to guard your inner being. You have to guard your thought life. You have to guard your emotions. You have to guard your will. Because everything else in your life flows out of that. That's the wellspring of your actions. Your heart is the wellspring of your words. Your heart is the wellspring of how you handle finances or opportunities or jobs. And if the well is poisoned, what comes up in the bucket is going to be poisoned. You remember the Flint water crisis started in, I think, 2014, lasted until about 2019 there in Flint, Michigan. It happened because the city, during a budget crisis, decided to save some money. And they switched over from the Detroit sewage and water system to which was treated, by the way, to the Flint River. And city officials, to save a buck, decided that they would not include an additive that would be an anti-corrosive agent 
in the water system. So they didn't treat the water. The water coming through old lead pipes leached lead into the drinking water of over 100,000 people. Many people are still dealing with that crisis today. you got to guard the water source because it will affect everything else downstream. It will affect everything else in your life. And what God is looking for is for people who have a pure, sincere, generous heart and they give as a result of that. That's kind of what Paul meant, I think, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, when he encouraged that church in first century Rome in the city of Corinth to give a love offering to help other people in a time of famine and need. And a year has gone by and the church has not followed through on their pledge to give. And so he tells them in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7, each one, in other words, each church member, each Christian, must give as he has decided in his heart. Not reluctantly. So don't keep hesitating and holding back. Make up your mind what God wants you to do and do it. And nor should you give under compulsion. Don't give because the preacher preached some guilt-ridden sermon or tried to manipulate your emotions. No, don't give under compulsion because God loves a cheerful giver. Give because your heart says this is the right thing to do. Give because your heart says there's a need I see that I have the ability to be a part of the solution. And yeah, I could keep this for myself and I could use it, but I want to give it as a way to help other people. God loves a cheerful giver. So Paul is saying, predetermine in your heart what God wants you to do in this area of giving and then do it. Don't hold back. Don't second think it. Uh, but give. And don't give under compulsion. But give willingly. That's why if you've ever heard me preach on a a message about Christian stewardship because as Christians we don't own anything. God is the creator and the giver of life and everything we have comes from him. We are not owners of anything. We are stewards and managers of everything. And one day we'll stand before God and we'll give an account of how we've managed the opportunities, the talents, the time, the finances that he has entrusted to us. And we want him to find us faithful. So as your pastor, I've never preached a sermon out of manipulation or pressure or guilt. I try to challenge you. Fall in love with Jesus. Love him with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then do whatever you feel like you ought to do. Because you can't go wrong with that. If love is not the motive for what we're doing, right brother, then we're wasting our time. It's got to be about love. God loves a cheerful giver. And you know why God loves a cheerful giver? Because when he sees a cheerful giver, he sees a reflection of his image in that giver. God is a cheerful giver. Jesus said in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave. And what did he give? He gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God wasn't a reluctant giver of his son, Jesus. God didn't hold part of it back. God gave it all. He gave the best heaven had to offer when he gave us Jesus. And that's why we read in 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. This is the letter that the Apostle John wrote as an old man. And looking back on his life and the ministry of Jesus, John wrote, 
By this we know love. We've seen love. We know what love looks like, John says. By this we know love, that he, Jesus, laid down his life for us. That's love. Jesus didn't go to the cross as a victim. He went as a volunteer. Jesus didn't go kicking and screaming. He went willingly. Jesus didn't say, I'll take a little beating, but that's as far as I'm going. No, he went sacrificially all the way to the cross where he laid down his life for us. He gave his life as a sacrifice for our sin to be forgiven. And John connects the dots. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. If we're truly following Jesus and we've received his love, we ought to reflect his love and how we treat other people. And don't limit this to just brothers and sisters in the family of God as if that's where your love ends. Well, I can love Christians, but I don't have to love those people who aren't Christians. No, God's love extends to the world. And then John got very practical. He went from preaching to meddling. Look at verse 17, 1 John 3, verse 17. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? And then verse 18, little children. He's talking about spiritual children. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. John says, talk is cheap. But love is sacrificial and generous and takes action when it's able because God's people are to be generous people. Jesus didn't just see our need for a Savior. He became our Savior and sacrificed out of love so that we could be right with God. And John says, that's the way you ought to live your life. You can't be anybody's Savior. But if you see a brother in need and you can meet the need, don't close up your heart to that brother or that sister, help them. Help them. And that is a reflection of the love of Christ. So generosity requires open eyes and open hearts. And so if you've heard anything today, open your eyes to the needs around you. Open your eyes to your ability to meet needs. And then open your heart and let God lead you in where he wants you to help. But that's going to require you have a third ingredient, and that is open hands. you got to finally get around to actually giving and to doing and to helping. Let's go back to our original verse for today, Proverbs 28, verse 27. Remember the first part of it? Whoever gives to the poor will not want, but he who hides his eyes will get many a curse. A stingy person is going to be cursed by the people they should have helped. But a generous person is going to discover that you can't outgive God. That when you follow God's will and you give as He leads with open eyes, open heart, open hands, you're going to discover that you get more out of it than the person you gave to. It's more blessed to give than to receive. You can't outgive God. Now, I know there's a lot of health and wealth preachers that will tell you what this means is if you give to this church, by the time you get home, you have a lot of money in your bank account. Just plant a little seed here and watch what happens. That is not what I'm preaching. That is not what the scriptures teach. Now, you can try it if you'd like. Uh, but that's not, that's not what the scriptures are teaching. 
Whether God blesses you in time or in eternity, it's a matter of when He blesses, not if. And it's a matter of how He blesses, not if He blesses. Because there again, God will always bless any follower of Jesus, following their heart as God has led them to see a need and to meet that need. God will repay that kind of generosity. Proverbs chapter 31 verse 20 is a part of a proverb where the wisest man to live, Solomon, closes out his book of inspired Proverbs with a tribute to a godly woman. Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies? The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her. And on and on he talks about and eulogizes and praises her for her work and her work for her family and her work for her husband and her work for her neighbors, her work for her community. He, he praises her for her wardrobe that that love and kindness adorn her life. And her words, the way that she blesses people with her words. And he praises her for her works. Especially for the poor. The way she helps the poor in her community. And in Proverbs chapter 31 verse 20, he says, She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hand to the needy. She opens it when there's someone right there in her immediate vicinity who has a need that she can meet. But she also reaches out and goes out of her way and exerts some energy to show generosity when she's able to help the needy. That's why I said of our church member who just went to be with the Lord that when I think of generosity, I think of her. There are so many people in this church that she has helped in big ways and in small ways. The way that she volunteered her time. We think generosity is just money. But she was generous with her money. She was generous with her time. In serving and helping. She was generous in her words of, of affection and encouragement and love. As a matter of fact, when I cast vision for us to come together as a church with one strategy to reach this community. Rather than trying to be all things to all people where we just can't please everybody. She was the first one in our senior adult group that came up and said, Pastor, I'm behind you 100%. Let's reach the lost for Jesus in this community. Praise God for that. Amen. You can see her on video where uh, that night she went and she said, I want to give a testimony on video. And she went and gave a testimony on video. It's on our website under our 2025 vision where she says she wanted to help us reach the lost. She was generous, sacrificial. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7, Paul, again, writing to this church about their need for generosity, he said to them, since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. I've yet to meet a Christian that didn't want to grow in their faith. Oh, I want to trust Jesus more today than I did yesterday. I've yet to meet a Christian who doesn't want to, to grow in their understanding of God's Word as they hear it preached or as they study the Word. And I haven't met a Christian who didn't say, you know what, I love Jesus, but I want to love Him more. 
I want to be more passionate. I want to be more committed, more devoted. And I've yet to meet a Christian who said, I don't need any more love from God's family. No, we all need to be loved more by each other. Paul says, that's great. That's wonderful. Excel in those things. Aspire to grow in those things. But too many Christians don't want to grow in giving. They don't want to grow in generosity with their time. They don't want to grow in being more generous with their money. They don't want to grow in being more generous with their abilities and their talents and their skills in helping other people. As a matter of fact, some people don't want it so much that after a sermon like this, they stop coming to church. Or they'll join a different church. Dear friend, if you do that, you are robbing yourself of true happiness and purpose in life because God's people are to be generous people. And maybe, maybe each one of us need to look at this and say, God, how can I be more generous with my time in helping someone else? Maybe I need to go and volunteer at the homeless shelter. Maybe I need to cut the grass for that single mom who's working hard to take care of her family. Maybe I need to volunteer in my public school and try to help our community by being a part of the solution. Maybe I need to volunteer at my church. And listen, I'm going to be very selfish right here. I believe the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is the answer to the needs of this world. Jesus came and he did not say, I will build the government. He didn't say, I'm going to build a bunch of nonprofits. He said, I will build my church. And I don't know about you, but I believe the gospel of Jesus Christ is the answer to what this world needs. And the church is on the front lines of meeting needs. If you weren't here a couple of weeks ago, go back and listen to that message where I just hit a few highlights of the way this church is generous with time, with talent, with money, trying to make a difference in this community. We need your partnership because the needs are too great for just a few of us to do on our own. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you never give, if you never give, then give for the first time today. Maybe today you just need to go to our website and you need to make a financial gift today and that'll break this habit that you have of not being generous with the things of God. Maybe today you will give for the first time. If you give every now and then to our church, I'm going to ask you to become a regular giver. The needs that we are trying to meet are not sporadic. They're perennial. We need your help regularly. If you give regularly, then go ahead and maybe say, my next step in growing in my giving is to set a percentage of my income, and I'm just going to commit to that. Pick a percent and grow from there. You say, Ricky, I already do that. Well, then begin tithing. Tithing is 10%. I, most Christians don't tithe. But I, I want you to know for transparency's sake that this is not just a sermon I preach. Every single staff member of your church gives at least 10% of their income back to God through the church. That's where we start. We start at 10 and then we give to offerings over and above that as we try to meet needs in our community. But you just need to know there's integrity on your staff and if you don't trust that, call the church financial secretary and she will confirm to you that yes, every single staff member gives at least 10% of their income back to God through this church. So maybe you need to start that. And if you already tithe, give strategically. Give strategically by living on less so that you can give more. 
And there's so much more that we could say about that, but I know here's where a lot of you might be. You may have a generous heart, but you're in such a situation financially, it's hard right now for you. We understand that. Do you know we offer a class? It's called Financial Peace University. How many of you have ever taken Financial Peace University? Look at all those hands, a bunch of those hands. I know hundreds of our church members have gone through Financial Peace University. It's a way to help you learn how to manage your finances, get out of debt, be more generous, and live like nobody's business. And it's changing people's lives. And if we can come alongside you and help you in that way. We don't get into your finances, by the way. I know people say, I'm not signing up for that. I don't want that church knowing how much I make and how much I owe. It's all anonymous. We don't know that. It's just giving you tools and principles to say, i got to get out of this debt. I've got to start saving for emergencies. I've got to save for future. And I want to be able to be generous when God's Spirit hits me. And I want to tell my dollars where to go rather than me not having dollars that I can use to be more generous. So if we can help you with Financial Peace University, maybe go to our website today and just sign up for FPU. That's what it's called, FPU, Financial Peace University. You will not regret that. Can you imagine if Fort Caroline Baptist Church was filled with Christians and church members who were generous and growing in their generosity with open eyes, open hearts, open hands. I can promise you more needs would be met in this community than ever. More lives would be changed, more marriages rescued, more orphans and children in foster care cared for, more people who are hurting because of grief ministered to in their grief. I, I, I think about our missionaries who are overseas right now. Some of them, by the way, are in countries that we cannot publicly disclose because it would jeopardize their lives. And do you know how they are able to be there? Because the money that we give on Sunday morning, we take over 10% of that and we give it away to missions every single week. So can you imagine what we could do if more and more people in our church became more generous than ever? I want to grow in this generosity. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, in the stillness of this moment, we thank you for your reminder to us that it's a smart thing to live generously. And after all, you've been so generous with us. And you've created us in your image. You saved us through your sacrificial son's death on the cross of Calvary who gave his all for us. And we have freely received. And we want to become more like Jesus. And so we know the natural thing is to say, God, help me grow in my generosity. Thank you that you take us where we are and you help us by your grace to open our eyes, to open our hearts, and to open our hands as you lead us to do that. And Father, maybe a person who's not a follower of Jesus, they just need to find a charity somewhere and they need to give. And they need to serve or they need to volunteer. Whatever you'd have them to do. But God, for those of us who name Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, let our first allegiance be to the church of Jesus Christ that he shed his blood for. And that he said, I will build and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Let our generosity begin at home. And Father, we pray that you would bless as we follow you and give 
Because you tell us, you promise, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And the only way we'll ever know if you're telling us the truth is to give. Because then we'll discover it is more blessed to give than to receive. So God, we take you at your word. We can trust you. Lead us and guide us. Father, thank you for the ways this church is touching lives here and around the world. Thank you, God, for the partners that we have at Fort Caroline who give their time, they give their money, and they give their abilities. Bless them, God, for what they do. And if there's someone who needs Jesus, let them know they could never give enough money to be forgiven of their sin. They can't do enough good works. But salvation is the free gift of God through faith in Jesus. May they turn from their sin, believe in him today before it's eternally too late. Friend, do that today. Trust Jesus today. And let us know today you're committing your life to Jesus Christ. There's a way you can do that. Talk to me after the service. Send us an email. Call the office. Easier than that, leave us a comment on Facebook or YouTube or go to our website, fcbc.life, and just let us know today you committed your life to Jesus. Heavenly Father, have your perfect will and way in all of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.